the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Good morning, People's Baptist Church, and good morning to our friends and guests who have joined us for this worship service. We trust that you will be able to experience God's holy presence as together we worship him, the one who has died and who is now alive, so that we too can experience life abundantly. The title of the message today is Following in the Footsteps of Jesus. Following in the Footsteps of Jesus. The Christian Herald magazine once carried an article about a senior executive of one of the largest banks in New York City. He told how he had risen to a place of prominence and influence. He said he began working at the bank as an office assistant. Then one day the president of the bank called him aside and said, I want you to come into my office and be with me each day. The young man replied, but what could I do to help you, sir? I don't know anything about finances. Never mind that, said the president. You will learn what I want to teach you a lot faster if you just stay by my side and keep your eyes and ears open. That was the most significant experience of my life, said the famous banker. Being with that wise man made me just like him. I began to do things the way he did, and that accounts for what I am today. Every Christian has the potential to become like Jesus by following in his steps. The Apostle John says in 1 John chapter 2 and verse 6, those who say they live in God should live their lives as Jesus did. And then in 1 John chapter 3 and verse 2, John also says, Dear friends, now we are children of God, and we have not yet been shown what we will be in the future. But we know that when Christ comes again, we will be like him because we will see him as he really is. To be a Christian is to be a follower of Jesus Christ. We aim to be like him, to live like him, and to reproduce his character in our lives. Throughout our Lord's ministry, he issued the invitation to individuals, follow me. And those who responded were never the same again. 
Today, when we accept Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord, we are simply responding to his call to follow him. And in doing so, we are admitting that Jesus has the answer to the mysteries of life, that he has conquered sin and death, that he has the key to eternal life, and therefore can show us how to live victoriously here and now. The promise many of you made at your baptism was that you would serve or follow the Lord for the rest of your life. No one can honestly call himself or herself a Christian and not desire to be like Jesus Christ. He is the Christian's highest model, the example that we have been called to imitate or to copy. This is what the Apostle Peter is saying in 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 21. Now, the immediate context has to do with Christians suffering unjustly. He's telling these believers that suffering is part and parcel of being a Christian. And so in, in 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 21, uh, he says, It was to this that God called you. For Christ himself suffered for you and left you an example so that you would follow in his steps. The first point that I want to make is that Jesus is our example. Now the word translated example means to copy after. Now when I was a child living in, in Jamaica, Learning to write, we used a writing tablet called a slate. Every school child at that time had a slate, which was very practical. You used chalk to write on it so that it could be wiped clean after each use. My kindergarten teacher would write the letters of the alphabet at the top of the slate, and I had to copy what she had written. It seemed very easy to write now, and all of you can read my writing because I spent so much time um, practicing how to write. But it was difficult for me to write the way my teacher wanted me to write. All I had to do was copy what my teacher had written, but my little fingers, still uncoordinated, found it difficult to do so. It was only after many, many hours of copying that I was able to satisfy my teachers. This is the meaning of the word example, to copy after. Peter is saying that Jesus Christ is our example, our writing copy, our copy book. We learn how we ought to function as members of God's kingdom by copying the example of Jesus Christ. As we follow the life of Christ, we can observe the example that he set for us. When he was a boy of 12 years of age, Jesus visited the temple in Jerusalem and discussed the things of God with religious, the religious scholars. His parents traveled a day's journey before they discovered that he was not with them. They retraced their steps and found him in the temple, 
discussing religion with the rabbinic scholars. And we read in, in uh, Luke chapter 2 and verse 51, So Jesus went back with them to Nazareth, where he was obedient to them. His mother treasured all these things in her heart. See, thus Jesus respected his parents and obeyed them in order to set an example for us. Although Jesus did not need baptism as a symbol of forgiveness of sins, yet he set the example for us with his baptism in the River Jordan. Numerous are the examples which shine forth from the days of our Lord's earthly ministry. He was kind to all. He had time for every person who sought him. He gave full attention to the needs of a promiscuous Samaritan woman from whom others would have turned away. He offered consideration and forgiveness to an adulterous woman whom the Pharisees wanted to execute by stoning. He was not only kind to all, but he was helpful to all. He healed a blind man whom others overlooked. No one noticed the woman who had the issue of blood who touched the hem of his garment, but Jesus took time out to heal her. Jesus was also a man of prayer. He prayed before every great decision in his ministry. Often the Bible reveals that he spent all night in prayer. Why? To teach us by example that power to live and serve comes from regular contact with our Father in heaven. Unfortunately, many Christians today fail to take Christ as their model for living. They are more interested in knowing about the stars of the rich and the famous, sports stars, film stars, TV stars. But they seem to have little interest in the teaching and lifestyle of the man from Galilee who was crucified between two thieves. Many of you watching this service today know the content of the latest issues of um, Ebony or Essence magazines and other magazines, but do not know the content of a single book of the scriptures. How can we copy someone we are not familiar with? No one can be a good follower of Jesus Christ if his or her only knowledge of Christ is what is picked up on Sundays from the preacher's sermon. Calculate the time you spend watching television, reading magazines, following social media, reading and sending emails and text messages, and compare that to the time that you spend reading the Bible, a Christian book or a Christian magazine, and you will understand why you are not a stronger Christian. So Jesus is our example. But secondly, we are to follow in his steps. As we travel the highway of life, we have someone who has traveled it already and knows the way. If we follow his footsteps, 
we are sure to succeed in doing the right thing and getting to where God wants us to be. So the question is, what does following in the footsteps of Christ mean for us today in our daily lives? First, it means having a humble spirit. In Philippians chapter 2, 3 through 8, Paul presents the attitude of Christ as our model. He says, don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. Be humble, thinking of others as better than yourselves. Don't look out for your own interests, but take an interest in others too. You must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. Though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. When he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on a cross. Humility of spirit rather than prideful boasting is the Christian's proper attitude towards self and others. We have to be willing to esteem others more highly than ourselves, and that is difficult. No one can follow the footsteps of Christ and not develop humility. Without being conscious of it, we will take on the character of Christ if we follow in his, in his steps. But the second thing about following the steps of Christ, it means having a forgiving spirit. So when Jesus was falsely accused and nailed to the cross, he had compassion for his accusers, and he prayed, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they're doing. And Peter puts it like this in 1 Peter chapter 2, 22 and 23. Peter says he never sinned, nor ever deceived anyone. He did not retaliate when he was insulted, nor threaten revenge when he suffered. He left his case in the hands of God, who always judges fairly. You see, to follow in the steps of Christ means that we will not retaliate against those who hurt us or hold grudges against those who have wronged us, but we will forgive them freely. You see, forgiving one another has a, a tremendously liberating effect. It frees us from pent-up anger and bitterness, which can eat away at our souls and cause both physical and emotional damage. But the third uh, thing that following Jesus means is having a loving spirit. In John 13, 34 and 35, Jesus says, so now I'm giving you a new commandment. Love each other. Just as I have loved you, you should love each other. Your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. You see, the world is not impressed by our pious language, 
by our long prayers or serious demeanor or by our ability to quote the scriptures. It is impressed by only one thing, our love for each other expressed in practical deeds of kindness. See, a man in India once told Billy Graham, I would be a Christian if I could see one. You see, if the people outside the church could see God's love in action in the lives of Christians as we interact with each other, our churches would be crammed with people who want to find out how they can get in on this love. People see enough backbiting, gossip, pettiness, hatred, and rejection around them every day and are desperately looking for a place where they can experience love, acceptance, and genuine fellowship. So why does the church not reflect more of these positive Christian qualities? Because as Christians, we are not following in the footsteps of Christ. But finally, it means having a serving spirit. It means having a serving spirit. Paul tells us that Jesus took the very nature of a servant in, in coming to earth. And Jesus himself said in Mark 10 and verse 45, for even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve others and to give his life as a ransom for many. You see, Christians are called to be servants of God and servants of each other. Servanthood is integral to the understanding of what a Christian is if we are to regard ourselves as followers of Jesus Christ. Some of us like to be served and wait impatiently to be served rather than to serve. Some want the recognition of serving, but not the self-sacrifice and self-discipline which service demands. To follow in the footsteps of Christ means to have a servant spirit. It means finding the task God has gifted you to do. It means being willing to give God's kingdom a portion of your time, your talents, your, and your finances. Being a follower of Christ will cost you something. Salvation is a free gift, but it costs the Son of God his life. Discipleship is costly to the person who will take it seriously. It involves self-denial, which is always painful. In his book, The Cost of Discipleship, Dietrich Bonhoeffer, the German pastor martyred by Hitler in 1945, indicted Christians for pursuing cheap grace, which guaranteed a bargain basement salvation, but made no demands on people. Says Bonhoeffer, quote, we have forgotten that the cross means rejection and shame as well as suffering, end of quote. Is if, if grace was cheap in the 1940s when Bonhoeffer was alive, it is certainly true today where there is no shortage of preachers to tell you anything that you want to hear, that you can get anything you want. All you have to do is to think it or to simply desire it. So the religion of Jesus, which 
I've been called to preach on this pulpit is a cost of religion. A religion with a cross at its center. It's a religion for tough-minded persons committed to following Jesus Christ in discipleship. It is not for those who want to keep one foot in the world playing footsie with Satan and the other in the church on Sundays. It is not for those who are looking for ease and comfort or something for nothing. It is not a religion for people who do not want to be inconvenienced, who do not want to give up their agendas for the agenda of Christ. So the religion of Jesus is for people who are aware of their sinfulness and who accept the provision God has made for the forgiveness of sins through the shed blood of Jesus Christ. It is for people who are willing to deny themselves and take up their cross and follow Christ. The religion of Jesus is for people who are determined to walk day by day in the footsteps of Christ their Lord, who will trust him to meet all of their needs, who will seek always to give glory to God for the things that he has done, and who will lift up the name of Jesus wherever they are. The religion of Jesus is what our ancestors called old-time religion. It's not only good for grandma and grandpa, but it is also good for mom and dad, for husband and wife, for son and daughter, for brother and sister, for aunt and uncle, and for friends and neighbors. This old-time religion will cause you to love those who are mean to you, to reach out to those who are hurting, to help those who cannot help themselves, to give to those who are in need, to forgive those who hurt you, and to pray for those who are lost in sin. This old-time religion will cause you to treat others with respect and dignity, to be honest in all of your business dealings, to turn the other cheek as often as need be, to be an inspiration and encouragement to others, to serve others with a spirit of humility, and to do unto others what you would have them do to you. Everybody needs this old-time religion. You see, it has proven to be sufficient in all situations and circumstances, no matter whether it be in an operating room during major surgery, no matter if it be in a cold cemetery during the burial of a loved one, or whether it be in a lonely bedroom during a long, dark night. For the Lord whom we have been called to follow, his wisdom never varies, his goodness never decreases, his truth never changes, his strength never wearies, his peace never ceases, his promises never fail, his attention never strays, his presence never departs, his faithfulness never fluctuates, his supply never shrinks, his authority never wanes, and his power never weakens. What a wonderful God we serve. Let us give thanks and praise to our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Amen.